Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Lizzie. Sam. (laughs) You have an energy today. I am so caffeinated. It's insane. I'm also just very excited to talk about this movie. I've watched it probably a total of like nine hours of peewee content in the last (laughs) two days. And I'm just like... Let's process. Yeah. I'm very (laughs) excited to learn more about Pee-wee. I have like very distant childhood memories about like watching this movie a ton. And then I haven't seen it since like yesterday. So it's a lot. You're like, I'm a new person, but Pee-wee, Pee-wee's still the same. Yeah, I still got that Pee-wee in me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ever, ever say that to me again. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can cut that. Uh, Before we get started, I just want to say thank you so much to our patrons, anyone listening here now that supports us on Patreon. If you haven't gotten a chance to check out our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. Plenty of perks, including selecting episodes and selecting our bonus feed content. So check it out or don't. If you don't want to, totally fine. Just go give us a five-star review. Police. <laughs> um, but Sam, we have someone special with us today in the studio. Oh, we sure do. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you so much. Woo! I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk about Pee Wee. Yeah, this was your idea. And I have to say, this is a rich text. You chose well. <laughs> Thank you so much. I This is my all-time favorite movie. And it was so it was an easy choice in that regard. I also, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee, passed away this year. Mm -hmm. And so I've spent a lot more time sort of revisiting why it's my favorite movie. And so it's fresh in my mind and I haven't had this conversation with anyone. So what better way to share my thoughts than in front of the whole world? (laughs) Yeah. I can't (laughs) wait to like talk to you about Pee-wee. You have your own true crime podcast. I do. And a narrative horror podcast. Yeah. And when we, we met you and we were like, oh, we can have Courtney on. We'll do like monster. We'll do something like crimey. And you came back with like, can I just do Pee-wee Herman's Big Adventure? And we were like, don't see why the hell not. You're like, hell yeah, you can. Um, I love that this is your favorite movie. It's such a bold choice because it really is such a rich movie. Like I mentioned, I re- I watched it like three times in the last week, but I had not really seen it as like a sentient being, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure it was on when I was a kid and there were certain images I remembered, mm-hmm. particularly with the chase scene and the breakfast scene, but I didn't have like a history with it. So watching it as like a fully formed adult, I was like... First of all, Pee Wee Herman, gay icon. Like, oh, yeah. we're talking yeah. about this, right? Like, mm-hmm. everyone yes. knows. Yes. Or is it a secret? Because it's yeah. hard to tell with the media and how they talk about Pee Wee. Well, and I, that's part of it. I won't go into it right off the bat, but that's part of my love and adoration for it. As I think it's all sort of packaged in a way that's very easy to market to the masses. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of a wink to those of us who know. You know, I mean, I guess that's subtext, but yeah. you said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about Lee? Lee Garcia, have you seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Yeah, I used to watch this a lot as a kid on TV when it would come on. And I always remember, we, we'll get into it, but I always remember the truck driver scene. Yes. Large oh, Marge. Yes. Large Marge. I was going to say Big Bertha. I was like, that's not it. What is it? Large Marge. <laughs> wow. Large Marge. Well, and there is a fair amount of horror in it, too. Yeah. Yep. So it scares kids. <laughs> yeah. It's, scary. It, it's pretty scary. <laughs> yes. That like sort of stuff. We'll get into it, but that, yeah. was, that was a big scare for me. I did recently rewatch it in past like three or four years just with like grown-up eyes and was kind of blown away really impressed uh but i'm sure we're going to talk all about it yeah i don't want to get too too into it yet yeah this was one of my favorite movies growing up um i'm from san antonio the amount of texas coverage in this film wow is uh great i used to watch it all the time religiously it's baked in like my brain folds and i hadn't seen it since i was a kid again i watched it for this episode and the way that it took me back And I remember watching it religiously and then not ever again. And I was on the phone with my mom and I was like, oh, we're doing Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. And she was like, well, you know, he's a pedophile. And I was like, we could do a whole episode of You're Wrong About right now because he's not. And then I had to explain it to her that he wasn't. And she was like, oh, well, I've been misinformed. Paul Rubens. Actually, before we jump into the plot, I would like to do a deep dive on Paul Rubens, including the 1991 arrest and the 2000s kind of hullabaloo that happened with him in the media. And so, yeah, a little bit about how he came to Pee Wee Herman. I don't know if y'all are up on your Paul Rubens history, but he 
has a background in improv comedy. The Pee Wee Herman character was a character that he developed when he was in an improv troupe in kind of his earlier years. And is a character that he sustained pretty much till the end of his life. I mean, the last Pee Wee movie came out in 2016. That's Pee Wee's Big Holiday. So basically his entire known career in the public is Pee Wee Herman, the character. So at the start of his career in the 80s, Paul Rubens was really gunning to get on to SNL as a cast member. So he auditioned, and when he didn't make it onto the show, he was pretty devastated and, in fact, even considered switching career paths. But luckily, it was around this time that he got the opportunity to do his own live show, The Pee Wee Herman Show, which ran for about five years, starting in 1981. Um, and they produced so much content around Pee Wee, like this live show, multiple movies, merchandising. He was constantly appearing on daytime television and nighttime television shows like David Letterman. He was touring. Like, Pee-wee was huge in the 80s and early 90s. But, yeah, I guess we can talk about a little bit this you know, thing that your mom brought up, like this kind of, like, darkness that the Pee-wee character had. And even, like, as me, not a huge fan of the Pee-wee Herman character in general, I always kind of had in my back of my mind an association of, like, a negative. I was like, oh, something must have happened. Like, what a creepy character. Like, what's up with this guy? And it's a very unfair assessment, I think, because basically this whole this whole reputation that Paul Rubens had was based around this arrest he had in 1991. Mm-hmm. Would y'all know much about it? Oh, yeah. Preaching to the choir? Yeah, well, I'm older enough than you to know it well, well, very well. <laughs> so I'll give like a little rundown of what happened. And then I'm curious, like what at the time, mm-hmm. if you remember like your reaction mm-hmm. to the news and everything. So in 1991 in Sarasota, Florida, so right after the end of the Pee Wee Herman show, his live show, Paul Rubens was arrested in an, in an adult theater in Sarasota, Florida for indecent exposure, basically masturbation. It went public. The entire world found out about it, and Paul Rubens was shamed publicly on many talk shows and didn't really make any public appearances for years after that, especially as Pee Wee Herman. I do have a clip later that we could show maybe towards the end, but his first public appearance um, was months after the arrest at the MTV Music Awards, and the audience goes crazy for him. Really? Like, the standing ovation. Like, I was kind of getting choked up whenever I watched this because when you look at the facts on paper, like, <sighs> masturbating in an adult theater, like— that what doesn't make for? you a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's obvious. Yeah, it was obviously a setup because yeah. that's what they're there for. Right. It's right. like the speed traps in West Texas. Exactly. Like, if you're yes. driving a Big Bend, you're a hippie going out to Big Bend, like you've probably been pulled over by the cops. Guess what you have? Weed. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. It's like how these towns stay in business. So mm-hmm. um I think there was a lot of unfairness and lack of actual information about this case enough to give Paul Rubens this like kind of negative sheen that like people like your mom, Sam, mm-hmm. will remember as like, oh, something icky happened with him. And because uh, he like performs for children, that yeah, association exactly. was made. But right. yeah, it's exactly absolutely not true. Yeah. yeah. And it was further worsened. I won't get too much into this, but in 2002, he was also investigated in connection to a child pornography case. Nothing came of the charges. I don't even know why they were investigating him. It doesn't seem like he was connected at all to this child actor that um, had been sexually abused in Hollywood and they were investigating for. But um, all they found at his apartment was like a large collection of homosexual vintage erotics, muscle magazines, Who erotic films. Which gay amongst us does not have a niche <laughs> collection of vintage porn? I know I have mine. I mean— and I think you're right, Sam, like because his show was kind of for kids, he was already kind of sus. And I think because he was so queer coded in this very effeminate way, uh, you know, we were just kind of ready for him to do something wrong because that's what we're so used to. We're used to queer people being demonized by mm-hmm. the media and, you know, looking for the absolute worst thing they can do. Well, and I don't think he's ever come out Officially. And I think that that was part of the, even before the charges, he's such an androgynous character that there was always the assumption that Mm -hmm. he was queer and that Pee Wee was just, you know, kind of made fun of for that already. And when it happened, yeah, it was, it it was obviously just totally sensational story. Mm -hmm. 
and it only happened because it was a children's show. And I think there's a sophistication to audiences now that did not exist back then. And when I was saying earlier, part of the thing I loved about Pee Wee and the show and the movie, obviously, is that it is for adults. It's a very sophisticated kind of humor, but nobody knew it then. Mm. They could just see the goofiness of it. And so it took years for people to catch up with the sophistication of his comedy and him as a person and sort of the genius of the character. But at the time, he was just, it was just Pee Wee. It was a goofy kids thing. Everyone had the doll, everybody quoted it. And so, yeah, it was just a way to take Pee Wee down and sell newspapers because it sold a ton of them. Yeah, because this is not. This is 1991. You know, this isn't like now where like literally every three days someone new is doing something horrible to be canceled exactly. for. Like this was yeah. exactly news. We had four channels, you know, that, that yeah. was it. Yeah. It was literally four yeah. TV channels and no internet. And yeah, it was a big deal. And there was like a phone poll that I think um, one of the news syndicates did that just kind of got the gauge on the general public's. Uh, feeling of Paul Rubens after all this shit in 1991 came out. And it was like nine to one in support of Paul Rubens. Like he mm. was such a beloved person and such a beloved creator. And the Pee Wee Herman character was in everyone's head that it didn't really mar his reputation for very long. I mean, I think Paul Rubens was deeply shamed by this event. Like, of course, oh my mm. God. Um, and people making fun of him on David Letterman didn't help. But in the end, like, he is a very beloved person to this day. Yeah. I have mutual friends with him. I never got to meet him very, unfortunately. My ex went to CalArts, and he went to CalArts, and he would teach there occasionally. And I had friends that ta that taught there at the same time. And he's a very private person. Yeah. And so I think that is also, I'm assuming... I mean, I don't want to speculate on his sexuality, but I'm assuming I also have a little bit of inside information that he's probably not straight. But I'm assuming that that is also part of the reason he never came out, if indeed he is queer or gay or whatever, um, because he, yeah, he's just somebody who already kept to himself. And I think that that just shoved him so far into the closet, you know, sexually, potentially, emotionally, mm -hmm. yeah, socially. It was, I think it was a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine, like, I can't even read the comments of subtextuals TikToks. Like, I, if someone, if I had gotten <laughs> yeah. caught doing something that the public in general can deem, like, yeah. you know, nasty, like, I would be so just, like, I would disappear off and the face of the planet. so much work every gay person, non-celebrity has to do to be, yeah. to undo the shame of, of being gay and the sexuality there. So, I mean, it's probably just undid all of that and just... Oh, it's like my worst fear. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, like you said, like, I don't want to speculate on his sexuality because he never came out or, you know, didn't in any way. But I was a little surprised that he wasn't out because in my mind, I'm like, well, the same Herman character. Yeah. And just like even interviews with Paul Rubens. I'm like, I don't know, gay man to me. Yeah. But um. I tried to find, like, any information about his dating history. I know I'm such a troll. But um, in 1993, he did date a female actress named Debbie Mazar. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, well, maybe he's bi or something. But she said that throughout their years-long relationship that it was all platonic. They never had sex. And I was like, interesting. Mm -hmm. But she was also one of the reasons he decided to come out of his depression hole. And I think she was like a very close confidant, like someone that he could really confide in um, and someone who could like lift his spirits outside of this. It's like, yeah, dude, who cares if you got arrested for this shit in Florida? Like, fuck Florida. Yeah, you know? dude. Just don't go back to Florida. Gay people shouldn't go to Florida. <laughs> I agree. I do have a real affection for Florida. The springs. I love the springs. The politics, the people. It's rough. But I'm like, why do we give them the best state? It's such a good state. Yeah. I know. You the know? Everglades. Mm -hmm. Yes. The alligators. Yes. The alligators. Yes. We love Orchids growing out of trees. Come on, guys. Manatees. Yeah. Let's yeah. take it back. Yeah, let's take <laughs> it back from the Republicans. <laughs> let's take Texas back, too. Damn. Yeah, honestly. Honestly. Um, so a little bit about the production of this film. So with the success of the Pee Wee Herman show on HBO, Rubens was able to secure a production deal for a film with Warner Brothers Studios, which we see as an actual location at the end of this film. Um, he wrote the film along with two friends from the improv world, Phil Hartman and Michael Varhol. And I only bring this up because have you on your True Crime podcast ever covered the 
the murder of Phil Hartman. I have not covered it, but I'm very familiar with it. It's tragic. It's tragic. Yeah. It's like murder Suey, his wife, like oh, just no. killed yeah. the shit out of him. It's, yeah. And, and it has a lot of like um, mental health mishandling um, in that case. Mm-hmm. But I got into a little bit of a rabbit hole on there. And so I just thought I'd bring it up if you want to go into a true crime rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when they were writing this script, they none of them had ever written a feature film script before. So they literally bought a book on screenwriting and oh said they wanted to make the most formulaic screenplay possible. So I found a quote from Rubens that said, it's a 90 minute film. It's a 90 page script. On page 30, I lose my bike. On page 60, I find it. Like, they were just following all the beats in this book. And I think you can feel that when you watch the film. I'm like, it's structurally very classic and kind of perfect in that way. Like, every character has its place. Uh, The bike is a great plot device. You know, we uncover the world one layer at a time. Like, it's very technically good. Like, it's cinema. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I think I mentioned this to you, I've heard that there are classes taught on the script because it's like every frame is a new, we're in a new place. We have a new set of characters. It just travels so much, mm-hmm. so seamlessly and effortlessly that after the fact, people are like, damn, that's like, they really pulled that off so beautifully. It starts in this one place and ends in a completely different place, which I think is part of the reason it feels like such a fever dream. Mm-hmm. But the effortlessness of how they did it with the budget that they did it with is kind of an amazing feat. Absolutely. I was telling my fiance, because she's never seen the film, I was like, it's kind of like gay Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's an epic. Like he's at the rodeo and then, he, you know, like, I'm just like, he just gets in these <laughs> it's ridiculous perfect. situations, but it's the only thing I could liken it to, really. <laughs> yes. And what I love about it is because, like, I feel like a really key element of, like, a classic film script is a very clear goal. Like, Pee Wee Herman wants his fucking bike. Like, yeah. that is the, the plot summary of this film. And I like that everything else that happens around it all kind of centers around his bike, which is like his life companion. They do a good job of making the stakes really high. Like, Mm. it's so believable. We're all so invested in finding a bicycle. It's so, yeah, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that because I do think the bicycle has more significance than just like... Any woman in his life at all. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and then they said that they drew from like very highbrow inspirations like they watched Alfred Hitchcock films uh Fellini's eight and a half which is like that film every (laughs) film student is forced to watch in like filmmaking 101 and they actually called the film a parody of the Italian classic film Bicycle Thieves Uh another one of those like must watch for fucking like a la Citizen Kane for film students um but yeah the film was directed by Tim Burton and it was actually his first feature I told this to Courtney when we talked on the phone, but I was like, whenever I saw Tim Burton's name in the opening credits, I like actually fell onto the floor of my living room because I had no idea. Yeah. This is like just, they don't make shit like this anymore. I was going to say how far he has fallen. It's like so good. And I always say the more money they give a director, the worse his films get. Yes. And this is such a good example of it because it's such a masterpiece of a film. And then you give him a billion dollars and who cares? Alice in Wonderland? Exactly. Who cares? Yeah. Lizzie and I have discussed that, like why rich people have terrible taste. Yeah. It's because they don't have parameters on what they choose from. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. no curation at all. Exactly. Yeah. When you have $10, you're like, I'm using this camera, mm-hmm. I guess, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With all the money in the world, you're making Avatar the way of fucking water, you know what I mean? <laughs> don't, even exactly. get me, don't even get me started on Avatar way of water. And then uh, the score of this film is absolutely fantastic. Danny Elfman, who of course is Tim Burton's right-hand sound guy, uh, right-hand music man, um, he ins- was inspired by the score of Wizard of Oz. And actually, Wizard of Oz kept coming up several times throughout my research because Rubens says that the Pee Wee Herman character in this film and also in general is very like Dorothy Gale. Mm-hmm. Like she's very childlike and innocent and like star-eyed in the sky. And and every adventure she has, it's almost like she doesn't learn anything. She just kind of like resets to this like, you know, innocent childlike person mm-hmm. that she's always been. Mm-hmm. Um which only brought my mind to thinking like, okay, so he made a character who's literally a friend of Dorothy. Like, yeah. Yes. Is it another totally. week? <laughs> totally. I don't know. 
But yeah, excellent filmmaking. And I would love to talk about the plot if we're ready to dive in. Always. Let's get into it. I'll just recite the film word for word because I have it memorized. <laughs> I used to perform it for the popular kids at parties to to like be cool. And it worked. Oh, my God. I'm mm-hmm. sure it worked. That's the coolest thing. <laughs> It'll work now. Go ahead. I was like, yeah, that's a great party trick. Pee Wee Herman is Pee Wee Herman. Hello! <laughs> In Pee Wee's Big Adventure... Be sure and tell them Large Marge sent you. <laughs> what? What? Lizzie, quickly before we jump into the plot, I just, something struck me watching the trailer, but is SpongeBob inspired by Pee Wee Herman? Because <gasps> he's, SpongeBob oh. is like, I imagine SpongeBob in all these situations and he would perform exactly the same way. And he's a little queer coded. He wears a little, little tie. Red he's got his little, his little cheeks are all rosy too. Maybe. Whoa. Yeah, get I the sure article. We let him go. Like that's the <laughs> yeah, SpongeBob right. shit right there. Wow, and like you need to write a paper on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be, I would be surprised if it wasn't inspired. I'm SpongeBob sure inspired. there's some inspiration there. Mm-hmm. For and sure. I was a big SpongeBob. He's like effeminate. He's like asexual. Can be considered mm-hmm. like gay, childlike, childlike, but like still very highly functioning in the world. Super positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quick question. Where does Pee Wee get his money? He's rich. He's he has so an aquarium rich. in his bathroom window. Like, he doesn't worry about a thing. Yeah, his bike is in, like, a super secret, like, agent yeah. <laughs> thing. Yeah, in, like, Santa Monica, too, or something. It's, right. Yeah. And he lives in house. the same neighborhood as that rich guy. Yeah. So. Francis, yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming he inherited his money. <laughs> Yeah, right. he gives orp- orphan vibes pretty hard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, shot. He does give him. orphan vibes. Protect him. Um, okay, so at the top of the film, we're in a dream sequence, and Pee Wee is winning the Tour de France. <laughs> Love that. Um, oh he's like lifted up on everyone's shoulders and is about to be crowned by the Miss France. France! <laughs> <laughs> you remember that TikTok clip that got really popular? Um, two things right off the bat. Pee-wee's wearing a full beat. He's wearing mm. more makeup than I'm mm-hmm. wearing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the only reason it's I like look alive right now. Yeah. It's like f- lipstick, rouge, like just concealer, concealer yeah. foundation. Powder. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. He's in drag, basically. Mm-hmm. And this scene also made me a little sad because there's something about the Pee-wee Herman character that kind of reminded me of the kind of sadness I get when I think about Robin Williams is mm-hmm. that every like devastatingly funny, silly comedian seems to have like an underlying sadness mm-hmm. and loneliness. And watching the film back in particular, the second and third times I saw it for this episode, I was like, Pee-wee is so isolated. Like, yeah. He lives alone. Speck. He, he's got Speck. And Speck yes. can speak. <laughs> but you know what I mean? He doesn't have, like, a someone that's, like, his best friend or mm-hmm. his, like, confidant. You know, he's very good at making friends along the way and has community members. But I, I did find the Pee Wee Herman character to be, like, tragically sad and it kind of reminded me of Paul Rubens and how his life, if he was indeed, like, closeted and, and fighting all this shame and public lashback from his arrest in 1991 like how Mm -hmm. lonely that life must have been well and then thinking back like i said earlier to why i love him so much i think i saw this movie for the first time when i was six and it i just that was it like everything i have done ever since has been like that's been sort of my guidepost and i think looking back the thing that resonated with me like i'm 44 when i was 43 two and a half, I learned that I am neurodivergent. I had no idea. So at the time, I mean, forget about it. Like you did not, like there was no conversation about mental health or queerness or neurodivergence or any of that. And so I think he kind of gave us this guidebook on how to get everyone else to like us, the Mm -hmm. weirdos, like the isolated people growing up. And like I said, I would, I would, recite the movie to the popular kids to get them to like me. It was like, oh, that's how you do it. You know, he was like sad and alone, but also like, fuck all y'all. And I'm going to charm you. I'm going to take you through all these different scenarios where I should be toast. And I come out on top every single time. And so for me, it was like, okay, comedy, camp, you know, art. There were so many things that I was like pulling from that movie subconsciously that 
I then used to make it through life as a queer kid in the 80s and 90s. And I, I think that should Paul Rubens have like a side of his sexuality that he never brought to the public, I could see that being a way for him to exercise totally the confidence that he might have wanted. You know, again, I'm speculating on a, a man who will never be able to speak on this himself. But, you know, like when you're on stage, if you have like a very confident persona, you can unveil all the hidden parts of yourself that you can't in your day-to-day life. Exactly. I mean, and you're so right. Like, despite the fact of me interpreting Pee Wee as a very lonely person, you never see him uh, stumble for a second. His only sadness comes from the loss of his bike. And he's constantly confident, never worries about a thing, never questions that, like, he doesn't deserve to be in a place and to ask for help and to have whatever he wants in life. And and he also decorates his space how he wishes, so he's very self-expressive. Like, you're right, I can totally see him being, like, a super inspirational character if you're just, like, thinking that you are different than everyone else and thinking that's a bad thing. You can just look at Pee-wee and be like, you think Pee-wee gave a shit? He, he— yeah always explored those sides of himself. Yeah, and the masking idea. You know, like you said, he's got a full face of makeup, and he watch him from scene to scene play along and then walk away and, like, laugh or, like, make fun every single time. And so it's like, okay, yeah, that's how you do it. You know, Mm -hmm. he was like, basically, yeah, like, this is how you do it. This is how you pretend like you're one of them. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately you're not. I mean, it's it's also interesting why— so many gay people are pulled to drag, you know, and this is drag. This is an alter ego. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like you can be as performative, as confident as maybe you would like to be as your regular self and you could channel it all into this area. I mean, that's 99.9% of drag queens are gay, you know? Totally. Well, and the code switching idea of it too, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just like queer and neurodivergent, but I think there's so much code switching in this movie and we obviously didn't, we're not anywhere close to having a term for that, but... Yeah, it was, there was just wasn't anything else like it either. Nothing that even came close to being as like irreverent and funny and campy and like avant-garde as this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, a thing I love about Pee Wee and that I was like pulling, you know, for my own mental health, pulling from him was that he has so much fun on his own. Mm -hmm. Like the first maybe 10 minutes of the film, like I said, he's in this dream of the Tour de France. He wakes up, he greets the day, plays in his room, works out a little bit, makes breakfast, which that scene is so, so that's brilliant. the one that is was in my head yeah. from my childhood. Like the Rube, what is Rube, it called? Rube Goldberg machine. The yes. Rube Goldberg breakfast machine. <laughs> and it takes two bites of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, of the cereal on top. definitely an only so. child. Yeah. Totally. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Orphan-coded, as Courtney said earlier. We love He doesn't need that. anybody to play with. He's, he's well entertained by himself very much so puts the tape on his face yeah Yeah. (laughs) so good he has so much fun even brushing his teeth he's having so much fun so good um but after breakfast is over he moves on to the best part of his day which is hanging out with his bike hell yeah i would too if my bike looked like that tricked Mm -hmm. the fuck out yeah actually this whole film started with the idea of this like vintage Schwinn bike. So when Paul Rubens was given the opportunity by Warner Brothers to write this film, he was stationed at the Warner Brothers studios, like I said, that we see in the film. And people around the studio would ride bikes around. And he asked like the people he worked for one day, like, hey, when do I get my bike? You know, (laughs) and so they delivered him a vintage Schwinn red bike. No way. And he loved it so much and loved the image of Pee Wee in the bike that it actually inspired the, (laughs) the screenplay. The original screenplay idea they were working on was an adaptation of Pollyanna, mm-hmm. which was Paul Rubens' favorite film. Love would also love that movie, but the bike one is a winner. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier, like this bike, he lights up whenever he gets to go to his bike and they ride around the town and and his loss of the bike later in the film feels much more to me than like I lost a beloved object. Like I really do feel like this bike is like the most consistent companion he has that he chooses and accepts because of course Dottie wants it so bad but um the bike is the <laughs> no, Francis Francis Dottie wants him Francis, Francis wants the bike god damn Francis <laughs> Francis yeah he's giving yeah. Augustus glue oh he's giving so much queer we'll get to that part mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah I was so confused about Francis's gender as a child <laughs> well speaking of Francis let's talk more about him because as Pee-wee's wheeling his bike out to go into the mall, um, we run into Francis, who's like another spoiled man child and who is like highly coveting 
this red bike. Mm-hmm. Covet is the word. My God. I've never seen anyone covet so goddamn hard. <laughs> so thirsty for the bike. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. He's um it's interesting that this world just has these like men in their thirties and forties who just act like children and we're just mm-hmm. like fully yeah. supportive mm-hmm. and accepting of that. Yeah. He's in the bath, you know, in yeah. this massive Gorgeous bathtub. <laughs> the prefect's bath. Like, yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on Francis? Oh, so many. I mean, his his name was Francis, and I grew up in central Indiana, and I didn't, you know, we just didn't know that that was a, like, sport that could be a man's name. And he is also very, like, androgynous-ish, mm-hmm. you know, and the childlike nature. And even seeing him in swim trunks in the tub, in the pool— we were still just like, is Francis a boy or a girl? I mean, it was such a yeah. conversation. It was also like the time with David Bowie the Labyrinth, and we were just like, what? Yeah. Like, Gender who? Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, there was a very—I mean, we nobody liked Francis, obviously. He was sp- spoiled and petulant. But, yeah, also, it's just funny now looking back that he's so obviously male, but we didn't know. We all thought maybe Francis was a girl. Yeah, and Francis is painted as, like, he's meant to be— uh, Pee-wee's foil, right? Yes. Um, but foils have so much more in common than, you know, by definition, they're supposed to be different. But they have tr- the same exact traits, just in like mm-hmm. different directions. Mm-hmm. And he's also very androgynous, um, like you were saying about Pee-wee. So I could definitely see that watching this film again, being like, what's up with that guy? Such a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Pee-wee takes his bike, decides to spend his day at a nearby strip mall and locks up his bike with a never-ending chain, which I... <laughs> that really got me. I don't know why. Just like the never-ending chain coming out of his little bike bag. I'm like, well, okay, we're we're going. We're defying physics yeah. in this it, film. In the first versions of the film, you could see the chain coming up through the bottom of the basket. Up, like you could see it being fed up through huh. in oh. production. And the French went apeshit. Like they thought it was so genius. They thought it was intentional because they love, of course, like breaking the third wall. And it was not intentional. Now they've taken it out. It oh, makes no. me so sad. Oh, yeah. It yeah, was now it's seamless. Yep. That would have been so good to see. Yeah. It was great. And again, you know, it was not intentional. But as kids, I think we all kind of thought it was. Yeah. Like they were just letting that be in there. But yeah, it was just the camera was panned down slightly too much. And you could see the, the chain coming up through the bottom <laughs> of the thing. I also like to remember, like— Filming on, like, actual reels of film now is so precious and pretentious. Mm. But I'm like, Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure was on film, bitch. Like, period. (laughs) Like, it it lives forever on probably, like, a thousand film reels somewhere in a Hollywood basement. Like Crazy. Art. Yeah. Never forget. Um, So he visits the magic shop. And I only bring up this scene because it was another really big laugh for me when he's like the guy often's him like drunken head yeah, got a that. slightly bigger one and then like a really yeah. big one I was like this is so, so funny stupid. it kind of at this point like you really get the like James Bond influences it's mm-hmm. like that scene in the beginning of every James Bond movie where he goes to Q and Q like hooks mm-hmm. him up with all the latest tech it's like yeah. alright what you got for me now like yep. and then when trick you, bubble gum you see the movie version like cause it at the end, you see that they make a, it's a movie and a movie about, and it's like Liam Neeson taken. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's <laughs> so on motorcycles and hot babes and yeah. he keeps his cool, you know? Dude, the meta-ness of it. Yeah. His supplies, so running his errands, his important errands for the week. <laughs> yeah, I've got to pick up some supplies. <laughs> Icon. In the next scene, Pee Wee heads over to the bike shop and we meet Dottie. And I want to show y'all this scene so we can talk about it. I want to know if you'll go someplace with me. Like where? The drive-in. Look, Dottie, I like you. Like? I like you! That's the thing, I like you too. Dottie! There's a lot of things about me you don't know anything about, Dottie. Things you wouldn't understand. Things you couldn't understand. Things you shouldn't understand. Sam. What happened in that there scene? <laughs> Dottie and Pee-wee are at the bike shop, and Dottie is giving Pee-wee the horn that he's ordered for his bicycle, and uh, she's trying to she's trying to ask him out on a little date. The drive-in, you know, she wants to. She's mm. she's trying to hit. Yeah, yeah, hard <laughs> for sure. When I was watching this scene, I was like, my subtextual flag was like. Ugh, waving yeah. like yeah. as fuck. I was like, he's literally saying it right here to yes. her. Like, girl, 
I like you like a friend. <laughs> Leave me alone. There's things I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. Just can we be cool? Yeah. yeah. I was like, girl. For sure. Because what else would it mean to me? Like, unless he really thinks he's such a, like, debonair rebel and he's, like, really a bad influence, you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah, no. I think you're exactly right. And, I mean, obviously there's, like, the childlike aspect of it. And as kids, that's what we thought. Just like, ew, girls are gross kind mm-hmm. of a thing. But, yeah, you're totally right. It's the... I I am I have commitment issues. I'm also gay. I don't want to do you know like no, but hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And also, obviously, she's asked him out like a hundred times. He's like, oh, like, oh my god, again, this, shit, this again. shit I will not go to the skating rink. I will not go to the mall. Stop asking. And she's <laughs> a good. certified babe. Oh, I yeah. remember having the biggest same, crush on her. Same, same. The '90s really hit me in my fucking gay closet feelings. It was her and Jennifer Tilly and Liar Liar. Oh, the they're voice, serving the similar, yeah, like the, oops, sorry, like the baby voice and mm-hmm. the like thick lips and the like, well, why not? You know? Yeah, yeah. I remember watching those movies as a kid and being like, just go out with her, you know, because totally. I wanted to go out <laughs> totally. with her. Let's see what happens. Let's yeah. see what happens Let's if you do. Let's run through it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, so as Pee Wee leaves the bike shop, the unimaginable has happened. His bike has been stolen. And he eventually suspects Francis and rushes over to Francis's house and kicks his ass <laughs> in the giant bathtub. And like watching Francis oh and Pee-wee like throw each other around in the bathtub. I was like, this is literally how me and Sam fight. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> it's a horror movie though when his shoes step into the pool and get that yeah. water shot. I'm like, oh my God, it's Jaws. Yeah. It like locks the door, like gonna yeah. kick his arse. Yeah. And we learned that Francis indeed has stolen Pee-wee's bike and paid a, a thug to get rid of it. So Pee-wee goes to the police, who are of no help. He goes to his friends, who are like, oh, Pee-wee's not that big of a deal. And so eventually he ends up going to a psychic who tells him that his bike is in the basement of the Alamo. So he hits the road. And it's Tim Burton that is the gang that tries to jump him in that alley. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? Like, we don't take kindly to strangers around these parts. You know, whatever. That's Tim Burton. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Easter egg cameo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this sequence in particular, as uh, Pee-wee's, like, having this, like, kind of fever dream loss of his bike, we <laughs> see him in standing in front of a window with, like, a bunch of wheels so spinning. That's, like, a Hitchcock it's reference. Total Hitchcock. Yeah. Uh, like... And there's some uh, bicycle thieves, like direct visual references there. I think the the dark alleyway that he's walking down is that. Mm. And it's just like highbrow as fuck. So yes. good. It's like so a fine good. wine. The yeah. references, the text is rich. <laughs> That's what it's, it's literally verbatim, Courtney. I was like, you chose a rich text, my friend. Yes. I love the psychic saying the basement of the Alamo. There are no basements in Texas. You right. cannot you right. can't have a basement in Texas. It's just ecologically, you cannot do it. Yeah. yeah. There's no basements in this state either. It's or Florida for Before the matter. internet, there was no way to know. Yeah. You and just you had were, to go. You just had to go there. Like the they are the Spanish army is like, okay, we have to build the Alamo, but first we need to invent basements. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick. Yeah. We're gonna need more stories. <laughs> store stuff, exactly. Yeah. Um so Pee-wee hits the road, and we immediately get one of my, like, favorite scenes and interactions. Oh, yeah. Where he's, like, thumbing it on the side of the highway and gets picked up by, frankly, a hunky convict. That guy is hot. Mm-hmm. Hot. Mm-hmm. Even with the receding hairline, hot. Oh, yeah. Way hot. And I've heard an, uh, an interview with Tim Burton talking about him, and he was, like, a Shakespearean actor. Like, a very highly trained actor. And he said that he has... Checked in on him over the years, and every time he does, he's doing something really, like, I don't even know what the word is. Like, he was, like, living in the mountains and goat herding, and then he was, like, married to a countess and, you know, like, just this <laughs> craziest life. But he's this, like, yeah, super highly trained uh, theater actor, and that's why Mickey works so well, so I think, because he really— really acts the shit out of Mickey. Oh, yeah. It kind of reminds me how they <laughs> casted Michael Caine in The Muppets Christmas yes, Carol. Yes, exactly. And he took it so seriously. Yep. And it's perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. genius. It, it really is. so well. Yeah. Um, the dynamic between the convict Mickey and Pee-wee in this scene is so good because— yeah. Actually, fuck it. Let's just watch the scene real quick where uh, Mickey and Pee-wee get into a little bit of a bind when they run into a police barricade. 
of this. AKA the queerest moment in the whole film. AKA <laughs> living that outfit. <laughs> We're looking for an escaped convict, ma'am. We heard all about it on the radio. Right, honey? <laughs> Have you seen this man? Blessing, better heads on boils. <laughs> no, I'm sure I'd remember the face. Honey? No. Would you mind stepping out of the car, ma'am? No, not at all, officer. Some sort of problem? No problem at all. I just wanted to take a quick look at that cute little outfit you have on. <laughs> Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. Sam, can you describe that scene for me? I would love nothing more. Uh, we have Pee Wee Herman and Mickey in full disguises, which, of course, requires Pee Wee to be in drag. Can you be in drag and then be in drag again? <laughs> it's like <laughs> drag squared. Yeah, it's the exponent of drag. And they are pulled over by some police officers who are looking for Mickey, but uh, Pee Wee dismisses their concern and is just like a beautiful fool, as Daisy would say in The Great yeah. Gatsby. And um, they make it out. And as they're driving away and like taking their disguises off, uh, Mickey looks at Pee Wee with this kind of like lust. Mm -hmm. And this scene in particular really reminds me of the end of Some Like It Hot, where she's like, I'm a man. And he's like, well, nobody's perfect. Yeah, totally. 100%. <laughs> like, this is a scene where, like, real recognizes real, where, yeah. you know, because Mickey's a little skeptical of Pee Wee at first, thinks he's a little weird and, like, maybe too enthusiastic. But, I mean, he just sailed through the cops mm -hmm. in full drag, like a full costume that they put together from who the fuck knows what's in <laughs> Pee Wee's like little sack on a, on a stick that he's got on his shoulder. But um, yeah, such a great scene because like you mentioned at the end of it, when they're driving off past the police barricade, like Mickey instantly like pulls off the fake mustache, like unbuttons his shirt and is like, oh God, you know, back to him, his usual self. But <laughs> but Pee-wee stays in Enjoying like the it. little mini dress and the wig and it's like totally comfortable in this space as well. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, in the moment of like attraction but with Mickey is just so good. Yeah. It's just so good. Yeah. Yeah. And we all had a crush on Mickey too. Oh my God. Like Marlon Brando. Right. hot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was feeling it. Big time. We cover a lot of gender bending films in on the podcast, mm -hmm. you know, like She's the Man. Um, and like, you know, films like Some Like It Hot, where putting one character in drag and then showing an attraction that another character has to them kind of allows us to like remove actual like gender yeah. and just focus on attraction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that feels super freaking gay. Like when I see a drag queen and I'm a lesbian, I'm like, man, she's so hot. I'm like, yeah, she's a man, you know, and it's it's allows you to like ask a lot of interesting questions within yeah. yourself. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. It, that's such a good point. I mean, because Mickey's objectively hot as a m pretty homosexual woman, you know, <laughs> I'd probably give it to Mickey. But, <laughs> Honestly. But I think you're right. I think it is the attraction, just that moment and that like, yeah, the gender bending and the the general just sort of queerness of it is also what I was attracted to that. I was like, yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. As a kid, you're like, yeah. why do I like this? Yeah. My little whiskers are twitching. Because <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I wasn't right? attracted to Pee Wee, but I was, yeah, I was like, oh. great, great <laughs> chemistry. My God. Um, I've never seen Big Top Pee Wee, which is the film that came out in 2016. But apparently there's another um, like hyper mask, quote unquote, hetero guy and Pee Wee relationship that gets really sweet and tender. So now hearing that, I'm like, okay, well, I want to watch that. Well, there's also a very heterosexual relationship that he has with, I can't remember the actress's name. I think she's Brazilian. She's stunning. In that film? Yes. Like and he's, I, Pee Wee's paired with a, yes. a model. Yeah. I mean, like the hottest woman in Hollywood at the time, literally. And there's a lot, there's like a scene where they consummate their attraction and they have like a train going through a tunnel and fireworks, like this montage uh, of, yeah. and I, was just talking to somebody about this today. I don't know if it was sort of a reaction to people calling Pee Wee gay, which is mm. what I assumed at the time, or if it was like they just thought it was funny, yeah. you know, to like have Pee Wee be yeah. like so straight all of a sudden for this movie. Well, I think it's funny, like pairing him with Dottie feels a little more like actual hetero. Like, of course, it's yeah. like the other maybe neurodivergent girl who really loves him and he doesn't mm -hmm. have to work hard for. But like pairing him with a Brazilian 
Mm -hmm. model is like, okay, y'all. Yeah. Yeah, he's straight. He's dating like the hottest (laughs) woman on earth. Yeah, that feels more gay somehow. (laughs) Exactly. Totally. Yes. Like, okay. Yeah, it's kind of like a joke that like he's dating, he would date someone so beautifully exotic and Mm -hmm. stunning and world traveled. It's like, I think they're making a joke that he wouldn't, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. He's like, Mr. T cereal, hun. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Kermit and uh, Miss Piggy. Oh, yes. It's so true. <laughs> the ultimate gay couple. <laughs> yeah, it's me and my fiance. <laughs> Are you Kermit? <laughs> Are you hungry? <laughs> you hungry, babe? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> Mickey and Pee Wee on the road. Pee Wee accidentally runs their car off a cliff. Oopsie. I mean, um, what was he supposed to do? <laughs> the road signs like getting squigglier and squigglier. <laughs> so Hilarious. Good. And um, Mickey kicks him out of the car and says, look, kid, I like you. I like you a lot. That's why I can't drag you into this. I'm a loner, a rebel. Arrivederci, baby. (laughs) And it's a cool, fun circle, uh, full circle moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Deja vu. Deja vu. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then... The next person that picks Pee Wee up on the side of the road is Trucker Large Marge. Oh, man. Love her. Yeah. So speaking of SpongeBob SquarePants, if you're familiar with the hash slinging slasher hash episode, slinging, the slash singing. She's the basically singing. the hash slinging slasher because we find out that Large Marge, she died 10 years ago on this very night. Oh, my gosh. Large Marge sent me. <laughs> so good. Uh, also, I love um, there's a little bit of a Tim Burton esque. Style mm-hmm. moment we see here with like the moment of like really intense uh, animation when Large Marge turns to him. That's I'm sure one of the more traumatizing elements for oh, a child. Yeah, scared the shit out of us as kids. Yeah, and yeah. it's just so fun. It's yeah. reticent of like Beetlejuice when they have to transform their face exactly. to, to be scary, and they put their eyes on their head, yeah, you know, exactly. on top of the head, and their mouth gets huge. It's yeah. like that. Oh my god! Another SpongeBob reference, though, because there's occasionally moments in SpongeBob, like where Squidward's like all um, cracked out on Krabby Patties, and there's like a single frame where he's like got veiny red eyes, and it's like very detailed uh-huh. and scary. Uh-huh. It has it's like to super be super realistic. <laughs> it has to be. It has to yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Great. Large Marge drops him off at a roadside diner, and Pee Wee gets some food and meets waitress Simone whose mm. dream is to go to Paris. She asked him to watch the sunrise with her out of the mouth of a giant dinosaur on the edge of the highway. And and that dinosaur was also giving Beetlejuice sandworm yeah. like that. Very much, yeah. yeah like, uh, what, what would you the call teeth. that? Like the landscape of that yeah. that they're in and that's deserty, red, dry, and, yeah, yeah. And inside the dinosaur. Yeah, yeah very Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Which incidentally, doing this film and the success of this film led Tim Burton to directing mm-hmm. Beetlejuice a couple of years later, so... Lots of tie-ins in the style there. You can see him honing it in Mm -hmm. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, But during this conversation that they're having, a really beautiful conversation actually about like following your dreams because she's, you know, a waitress. She wants to go to Paris, but her boyfriend's holding her back and she just doesn't know if she can do it. He's like, everyone's got a big butt. Tell me about yours. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, uh, her boyfriend overhears this and chases Pee-wee out of town. I think we can all agree, though, that Simone's pretty gay, too, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. She's just, like, so compact. She's like, I yeah. just want to go to yeah. France with all the other exactly. gay people. Exactly. exactly. It's like, oh, you want to— big bear of a boyfriend. Like, I need to go to France. It's the gayest place to go, yeah. honestly. <laughs> Dude, it's like even fucking um, James Baldwin escaped to France yeah. during the 60s. Like, he was like, oh, gayest place on earth? Yeah. Paris? Yeah. yeah. Um, like, harking back to our Fast and the Furious episode, Vin Diesel, who's never come out as queer, but everyone's like, okay, Vin. Oh, yeah. Um, he, in an Her interview— to date in Europe. Yeah, he says he wants to date in Europe, and we're like, Okay, really? you big old bisexual. Oh my god. So Simone just wants to date in Europe. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Pee-wee's chased out of town by her boyfriend Andy, and he ends up going to the rodeo. He finds himself in San Antonio. Okay. I need to speak on this. Uh, Sam, throwing it over to our San Antonio correspondent. Yes. Hi, Lizzie. I'm here in the field I'm in front of the Alamo. It looks way bigger on film than it does in person. <laughs> I believe that. It's a tiny ass building. I'm probably taller than the Alamo. <laughs> oh my always, God. When you see it in movies, they always shoot it from the ground yeah. to make it look like it's an actual landmark. It's smaller than my house. I believe that. It's so tiny. And I 
Like I said, I hadn't seen this since I was a kid, but it's in like my brain folds. I'm also so fucking Texan, like in my blood, that that line where he's like, I'm in Texas. Here, see, the stars at night are big and bright. I went like this. Literally, I had no control of my body. My cat was sitting on my lap while I was watching this movie. She jumped off and knocked a bunch of shit over because I was just so overcome with it. But um, my favorite line from this movie is when they go, what's your name? I don't remember. Where are you from? I don't remember. <laughs> what do you remember? I remember the Alamo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh All the Texans God. are like, <laughs> the amount of Texas representation. Yeah. Is... Inside Texas jokes and lore and things. Yeah. yeah. Like, why Why Texas of all the states he could have landed in? Like, that's so funny. <laughs> the Alamo is, like, pretty LOL, and it's not that far from L.A. where they were filming. <laughs> Obsessed. Um, so he goes to the Alamo to, you know, take the tour and go to the basement to get his bike, just like the psychic said, and... Just a real quick shout out to the actress here who mm-hmm. plays like Get the tour guy. Tina. She's improving all of this, and Ugh. it's truly some of the richest, most hilarious yes. shit in the whole movie. She is fantastic. I didn't know it was all improved. I did not know that. That was the scene that I would quote at parties. <gasps> what what line specifically? The, like, and I know I always got it wrong, but the Pedro and his wife Inez, and <laughs> like. Inez. Oh, my God. And, again, going back to the neurodivergence, like, him just, like, dying, like, the boredom and everyone else is so interesting. As a child, I was like, somebody else feels that way. Somebody else is just bored out of their mind at all times about these people who are just, like, so engaged in this thing that is so boring. And so, yeah, that was – that scene was pivotal for me as a child being like, okay, I'm not alone in feeling like – just, Most shit sucks. You're like, just get to the end of it. Yeah, it's like, that's something to do. <laughs> I got some place to be. Like the basement, which, of course, there's no fucking basement there's at no the basement Alamo. In the Alamo. As, you know, Sam, let us know, because I wasn't actually sure about that. The Texas um, correspondent here. <laughs> I love the part where he goes to the rodeo. I love that. Ugh. Why not? Of yeah. course he'd be good at the rodeo. This is the Forrest Gump thing I'm talking about. Why is he at the rodeo? <laughs> Another Forrest Gump thing. She's like, there's thousands of you. Uses for corn, you can boil it, skin it, <laughs> butter so right. it. Yeah, I'm like, all of which I'll tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely good. Um, so Pee Wee's back on the road. His bike's not at the Alamo, so he starts heading back home, and he stops at a biker bar. And there's just like an amazing scene where he manages to piss off every satan's helper in this biker bar and <laughs> no then... one hipped me to that dude it's like one of the best pieces of comedic writing i think ever no one hipped me to that dude <laughs> i love when he's trying to get out he's going excuse me excuse, excuse me. me no one's moving <laughs> excuse me but he knows he can buy himself out of any situation and when nothing else works he decides to perform a little number to tequila and well i think heels. first sorry not to uh, well, Elvira, that's Elvira. <gasps> that's right. Yep. A little, another queer moment is the one that says, and I think you should let me have them first. Too, is in she? the bar. There's like a poster of Elvira in the bar. Uh-huh. Now that I think about it. Uh-huh. But then he knocks over their bikes. So this is his last request. Oh, right. They're, Elvira's going to put him, you know, we're going to kill him. Let him go. Yeah. Yep. No. I think we should let him go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I get a last request? <laughs> so Elvira's going to take care of him. Yeah. But he's like, Don't I get a last request? And it's tequila. I get to dance to tequila. <laughs> and so good. So good. So good. Because he's putting his whole pussy into this and <laughs> <Pretty> much so. <laughs> Basically, Voguing was born this day <laughs> in Texas. Invented dancing. Yeah. Uh, so. Pee-wee, how does he end up getting into the hospital? How does that happen? Oh, he, they love him. He wins their affection through oh, the dance. Awesome. They put him on a motorcycle and he immediately runs it into a billboard. Yeah. <laughs> and ends up going into the hospital yes. where on TV he sees that his bike is being given away on like some sort of show. I don't know. Even yeah. though the, I don't know the context behind the show, but there's nuns and a kid and they're giving away his bike on a show. So he's like... <laughs> Off to Hollywood I go. So he ends up on the back lot of Warner Brothers Studios. And there's just a quick moment here that like, I, I don't know if I'm like the only one who notices or maybe I'm hearing it wrong. But when Pee Wee first arrives to the back lot, he stops and asks like this red alien soldier mm-hmm. and like a showgirl for directions. And it feels to me that when they respond, like the showgirl has the soldier's voice and the soldier has the showgirl's yes, voice. that is mm-hmm. correct. And it was like. 
not obvious enough that I wanted to laugh. I was just like, what? What's happening here? Are we uh, are we making a joke? Yeah, it's definitely a joke. It was definitely and the showgirl I remember specifically feeling very queer too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. yeah, that was that was intentional. Yeah. Just yeah. another little moment of just like yeah. not everyone will get it, but if you're looking for it, because you're doing a podcast about it, exactly. you will. <laughs> Surprise. Even the minor characters are gay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that's it's like so absurd. It's such a goofy thing. Yeah. So kids were like, oh, that's so funny. But then those of, those of us who are queer were like, that's, yeah, that's something else too. <laughs> <laughs> Same joke, different audiences. Exactly. Everyone loves it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, Pee Wee employs drag one more time to get his bike back, this time as a nun. He steals <laughs> back the bike and goes on a crazy high-speed chase through the studio that the studio loves so much they turn his journey into a movie. That movie is Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I just love when he's saving all the pets from the pet store. And he runs out with the snakes. <laughs> Ugh, that that scene, like something about the, I don't even like the, I don't like aesthetics isn't the word, but yeah, the the chicks and the fish and like it yeah. just visually really had such an impact on me as a kid and like comes up in random parts of my life where I think of that scene and and him holding the snakes or like him shooing the chicks out. I think I just like find myself like acting like him in certain moments, <laughs> relating back to that scene for some reason. But yeah, that scene is iconic. It's so good. All the puppies and like getting them to sit. It's just so good. <laughs> it's very satisfying. I think like him and also the fact that even though he hates snakes, he cares about them enough to save them. Mm-hmm. And at one point he's like shooing these rats out the door and he's like He's literally shooing their little butts. Like, he's at rat level shooing their little butts, not just, like, generally go, go, go. It's just, like, the, like you're saying, the details of the genius of – and also – The physical comedy of it, I yes. think, his – with the snakes and stuff. And yeah. the, like, empathy because you mm-hmm. see Pee-wee connecting to everything in front of him and just being really present with it. Yeah. And that is really apparent in this scene, you're right, in a very yeah. satisfying way. So, totally. Lest I not – Let me not skip over this plot point where he saves every pet in a burning pet store (laughs) in this suburban town for whatever reason. I love that you're like, they they had a screenwriting book on how to write a technically correct movie. And they're like, let's just throw in a scene right now (laughs) where the pet store is on fire. I know he has his bike back. But he chooses to save the pets over getting away with his bike. Right. Like Pee-wee's loyal to a fall. Yep. So the end of the film, another very satisfying montage where Pee-wee's like walking through this drive-in theater audience and delivering snacks to all of his friends he met along the way, including Mickey. Very Wizard of Oz. Very. Mm -hmm. You were there. Um, there. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment where he drops off like a hot dog to the studio exec and the exec's like, thanks, baby. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so... Yeah. Casting couch much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's fine. Babe. He says to babe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he ends up with Dottie, who is dressed in her homecoming dress finest. And I <laughs> guess finally got her date with uh, her, you know, gay best friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you aren't falling in love with your gay friend in high school, are you even queer now? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Like, so it's true. It's just an, a necessary part of life. Yeah. <laughs> this is not queer, but the scene on the train singing Jimmy Crack Corn when he throws himself off the train because the man who's riding the, ca- the rail cars is, you know, they're singing and he's into it and he just takes it too far. My <laughs> friends and I, that's like code for. Like, we'd be at a party, and you'd walk up and be like, God, that guy was Jimmy Crack Corner me. <laughs> You're like, I'm drained. Yes. I love like, the idea of Pee Wee Herman being like, this guy's too much. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. A drunken train riding hobo. Yeah. Well, and it was nice because it was, there was a, like, he did have boundaries. You know, like, yeah. Pee Wee had boundaries, and Pee Wee did. He wasn't just. He had thoughts. You know, he was like a grounded character yeah. too. And I think that that's part of it. He's like, all right, no, 
like I was, it, I was, it was fun and now it's too much. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I relate to Pee Wee so much. Like, like yeah. you're saying, he's got his limits and whenever he's like not trying to do something, you could not move a mountain. Exactly. Like Dottie is not getting him to that drive through yeah. Francis is not putting his ass on this bike. Like yeah. I'm out of here. Bye. <laughs> it's funny. This is like an astrology moment. So if you hate astrology, love forward, astrology. Like 30 love seconds. astrology. So at the very beginning of the film, after breakfast, he like reads his astrology for the day mm-hmm. and it, he hits the button for Pisces and I'm like I've never heard a bigger lie in oh, cinema there's wow. no way he is a Pisces what He's would you say oh Virgo party Virgo I'm party a Virgo, Virgo. Party or Virgo. a Gemini perhaps yeah but he's very organized like yeah. in the scene where he has like the entire town looking through all the uh, yeah. evidence he's yes. got. And this is a map of the mall. It's unraveling like, a sweater that yeah. someone keeps knitting. And knitting. <laughs> and knitting. <laughs> and if he doesn't want to do something, he will not do it. Yeah. Like, ask Sam. If Sam's not in the mood for McDonald's, if I offer her McDonald's, mm-hmm. she's like, I would rather die. Yeah. Yeah. Eat McDonald's. You're so right. And very, and also they're very, no offense, Sam, she's a Virgo. Um, they're very like childlike and I think mm-hmm. innocent and yeah. a little gullible. Yeah. No offense, Sam. Um, really fun. Very fun. Really okay. fun. Y'all Beautiful. Are gassing me up. Shut up. They're all <laughs> stunningly gorgeous and intelligent and rich. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's me. Me and Pee Wee Herman. They're identical. <laughs> Gay. Oh. Gay. All yeah. Virgos are gay. Virgos, gay. Yeah. Sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> my dad's a Virgo too. <laughs> Your dad's a Virgo too. We have gay dads together. Oh Aww. my god. Ah, uh, such an excellent movie. Let's talk about the reception of this piece of cinema um, with a budget of $7 million, which is crazy low. It yeah. sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. Uh, the film grossed over $40 million, was very well received critically, and is like a cult classic watch to this day. And yeah, long live Paul Rubens. He was able to create two more Pee-wee films, Pee-wee's Big Top and Pee-wee's Big Holiday in 2016. And he passed at the age of 70 last year after a long secret battle with cancer. R.I.P. <laughs> Can I see that clip you mentioned? So yeah, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, um, after the 1991 arrest in Florida at the adult theater, Uh, Paul Rubens really remained quite reclusive, and he did do one public TV appearance for the MTV Music Awards that year, and the audience was um, very, very happy to see him, I'll say. I'll show you that clip now. Any good jokes lately? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I forgot that he said heard any good jokes lately, which was iconic at the time. And again, I think such a lesson to uh, for us to like pivot to rebound from things, you know, like how to how to not let them win. And like also just the the genius of that character, like how hard it is to create a character that's iconic that lives on its own, you know, mm-hmm. and is so funny. Like mm-hmm. my wife thought she was annoyed by Pee-wee because she heard other people doing Pee-wee and then watching <laughs> it, making me, you know, I made her watch it. She's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, he's really funny. It's mm-hmm. really, it's hard not to laugh at him and his like physicality and things. It's just, yeah. It's like astoundingly, astoundingly impressive. Yeah. Like we mentioned, like they just threw a plot point where he's saving pets from a pet shop Mm -hmm. like to have such a fleshed out character so well worked that you can put him anywhere and you would know exactly what he would do totally agree i couldn't put myself anywhere and know what i would do (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean yeah it's so impressive i agree yeah bravo paul that clip made me pretty emotional me too the people love him and yeah paul rubens we love you yeah exactly how you are so beloved so beloved yeah all right so the last to do thing that we must do is to score the film subtextually. That was a weird way to say, let's do the subtextual score. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, can you explain how we score? Yeah. So how the subtextual score works is that we each give the film a rating on how gay is it and how good is it. Out of 10, those scores are all average to get an overall subtextual score. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Virgo. You're welcome. So we'll start with you, Sam. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good is this movie? I have to give it a 10. A 10? I would not change a hair on its head. 
on its chinny chin chin. That's right. And Courtney, what I mean, you? obviously 10. She's like 20. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> May I give it a 20? Four, <laughs> four and six. Um, Not to be a Debbie Donner. I'll give it an eight. I really loved it, but I don't know. I feel like I can't give it a 10 also. I do it on a personal <laughs> basis. Yeah. Let's yeah. see. My, you judge it a little I differently. I give it an eight. Yeah. I think coming to it later in life, too, is a very different experience than growing up with it. Mm-hmm. It's funny, though, with Eth, Eth, with Ethwath. With each watch, I loved it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, after getting a handle on the character and also learning about Paul Rubens, mm-hmm. like, the second and third time I watched it, I was, like, like starry-eyed. Like, yeah. The, my my wife had funnier. had the same experience, for sure. The first time I made her watch it, she was like, okay, whatever. And then progressively over time, she's and the last time we watched it after he passed, she was like, she could not stop talking about it for days. Yeah. And I had said, too, because he was very much involved in the, like, New York avant-garde art scene and mm-hmm. his friends, you know, he went to Cal Arts and, like, his friends were all, it was like, Oingo Boingo, you know, Danny yeah. Elfman, all these p- talking heads, you know, like, things that she is very interested in. And so I think she started to see more of that and be like, oh, yeah, this is genius. Well, it's funny. You see those arcs in the characters of this movie as well. Like Mickey, perfect example. He's like, oh, this freak. Why did I pick him up? And then by the end of it, he's like, mm, babe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people will do that to you. He'll worm his way into your heart because yeah. he's being 100% his authentic self. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, fine. I'll give it a nine. There are <laughs> such. damn it. There are so few pieces of comedic media where it gets better every time like I'm thinking like 30 Rock which Paul Rubens is also in one of my favorite episodes ever (laughs) if you're a 30 Rock fan he stars in the episode where he is like some inbred European prince that Jenna Maroney is trying to to (laughs) snatch my god it's so incredibly funny Um, but 30 Rock is that way you know Mm -hmm. every episode gets better and better when you watch it some comedy is like the substance of the comedy is a surprise of the joke and then when you watch it again when there's no surprise it's no longer fun. Such a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. But yeah. this is like, I could watch it 10 times and laugh at totally different things every time. Yeah. Also like joke density, like every line is a joke, 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 just yeah. like 30 Rock, you know, and it's like, it's gonna you're going to catch everyone at some point mm-hmm. in a scene, you know. Um, okay. On to gayness. Samuel, on a scale of one to 10, how gay is this movie? Well, my gayness score is tied to gay sex. Um, it is very subtextual though. Mm, I'm going to give it a seven. And for you, Courtney? Seven also. I'm going to give it a four. Live your truth. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be a... Just, I don't, there's no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you on your Thank own you. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney sets the rules. Uh-huh. All right, one second. I'm going to do some calculations. We have a math professor who listens to our podcast. No. He'll, he'll text us every Monday and be like... You got it wrong. That's my point off. <laughs> Yeah, it's not actually the score. Uh, often. As someone actually. who counts on my fingers, like, adds a way to get it. I get it. <laughs> Obsessed. Pee-wee's Big Adventure has a subtextual score of 7.8. And that feels Ooh. good to me. Yeah. Same. Uh, what a heartwarming film, honestly. Yeah. I love it. I could just fall asleep to it. Yeah. And yeah. wake up to it. It's weird. Yeah. It's definitely a morning movie. It's like a Saturday morning movie, like when you were ready to watch cartoons, eating your sugared cereal. Which is literally what my grandmother recorded that and Pee-wee, Big Top Pee-wee on VHS. It was on HBO and she had cable and she recorded them for us and we watched them probably every Saturday for many years. That is so yeah. lovely. What a beautiful act of affection. Like, I have cable, they don't. I'm going to record Pee-wee well, Herman. My grandma's kind of a weird narcissist, R.I.P. grandma, but that was like <laughs> one weirdly kind and thoughtful thing she did. That's very Aww. lovely. It's such a lovely thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's raise our glasses for one more toast to Paul Rubens. Cheers. You icon Shout you. Shout out, Paul Rubens. We see you. You see us way too clearly mm-hmm. and Courtney thank you so so much for bringing us this film thank you so much on. for having me so much fun it's been perfect I've had a blast me too <laughs> do you want to tell the people where they can find you and your work yes I my true crime podcast is called they will kill and my narrative horror podcast is called please leave you can find them wherever you get your podcasts all right well we would definitely love to have you back for a future episode I would love to be back and yeah, enjoy. Go watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure again and get your heart all full again. Yeah, it really, it's incredible. Go watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure. You deserved it. You deserve it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. 
If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us on patreon.com slash subtextualpod. See you next week.